heart rate's elevated because of what happened or because you're angry? I'm an empathic person, Stephen. My boy Ryan Coogler almost got shot in the bank. Can you imagine if that happened? There'd be... It'd, it'd be the end of everything. He directed the only Marvel film that has ever been nominated for Best Picture. So that's a huge deal. What happened? We just watched the body cam footage of Ryan Coogler getting detained because a bank teller thought he was robbing the bank. In Atlanta. Because he passed a note to the teller because he, he had to make a large withdrawal for some other reasons and uh, they just thought he was robbing the place. This is America. Don't catch you tripping, though. Yeah, it's crazy out here, man. For black people. <laughs> for everybody, but especially for people with other skin colors. That's crazy. People of color. Dang. Yeah, yeah the craziest thing, though, is watching it what a wild way to start the podcast. But the craziest thing is watching it because you don't get a lot of body cam footage released like that. Yeah. I wonder how that got out. Well, I think they, since the cops like didn't do anything, they probably knew to save some face, they could just release the body cam footage. You know, you only get that kind of thing released when it's not damning evidence against the police. So Yeah. Or in recent cases, like, was it Ahmad Arbery, where they, they ended up releasing the footage because they thought it would help them when they were in the wrong and it ended up just damning them because footage you know often tells the true story <laughs> you think he's gonna switch banks now or i don't know maybe probably he's probably not going back to that bank <laughs> jeez that's crazy that is so crazy i i feel really bad honestly watching it i was like uh, as someone who's slightly anxious <laughs> slightly upset that's the worst kind of confrontation is the one where someone's about to get shot <sighs> the life and death confrontation so yeah, i don't even know how to felt that tension through the screen man i know and he's literally a marvel director like he's the he's black the, panther director he's the marvel director it's yeah it's really intense he's like who i want to be <laughs> so to see that is also like a Marvel director. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love to direct Marvel film. I believe you. Uh, <laughs> I believe that you'd you love believe. to direct the whole thing. Believe me. Yeah. No, I would you love the to... power of the sun in the palm of your hands. Is what you want. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. But... <laughs> Shut the fuck up, bro. <laughs> but yeah, I just feel really, really bad. Anyway, before we get into the Oscars stuff, we are taking a short break because we're finally caught up. You just heard our Batman episode. What a world. Batman. And potentially a Penguin spinoff show? What? It's happening. It's ordered. A prequel Penguin series DC, is ordered. DC, buy your stocks now. Buy low, sell high. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a short break to talk about a video game that is trending and current. A word from our sponsors. Yeah. There is a, a lot of video games out right now that I'd love to talk about, but this is by far the most popular. Yeah. I might I might quickly talk about the one I'm playing. Do it. Which is called Pokemon. <laughs> Legend, <laughs> Ever heard of it? <laughs> Le- Legends Arceus. Is it Legends Arceus or Legends of Arceus? I think it's Legends Arceus. Gotcha. And uh, it's it? one of the best Pokemon games in a while. But we're not here to talk about Nintendo. We're here to talk about... Uh, well, it's Japanese devs. You could it? easily... Dark Souls? Yeah. You talk about Pokemon if you want. No. There's so much gaming news that we never really cover. Yeah. Because this is foremost film and television. Why? Podcast. I mean, because no, I mean, apart from this Pokemon game, 
which in the Nintendo world, which is a little bit different from the rest of the gaming world, it's like its own kind of like, it's not exactly a redheaded stepchild, but it's, you know, it's its own little world. In the Nintendo world, this Pokemon game is a big deal because it's the best one that has come out in a long, long time. And everyone I know that's playing it has really liked it. And it's a very different kind of game. Yep. Which is relevant to today's discussion. Yeah. And so why don't you talk about some, can you hit like a couple other gaming news or facts besides the game we're going to talk about today? Sure. In brief. I mean, as far as like the blockbuster stuff goes, the energy for that Lost Ark release has kind of cooled down a bit. That's the big Korean MMO that crashed onto the Western scene, I think a month or two ago. Everyone was playing that in the wake of uh, Final Fantasy stuff that happened even it was only a few months ago as well. MMOs, uh, players are eating well right now, suffice to say, uh, in the wake of Blizzard's, you know, destruction of their own uh, IPs, you know, WoW and whatnot. But we also had uh, Destiny 2's big expansion, Witch Queen, happened uh, a couple weeks ago, right before the new Souls game, which is what we're talking about today. And that looks pretty cool. Destiny 2 is uh, kind of a big deal still after all this time. <laughs> It's pretty funny. Those are the Bungie. That's the Halo developer that you'll hear me reference every now and again. But they don't make Halo anymore. They make Destiny. So all kinds of cool little indie games coming out all the time uh, as well. But today we wanted to throw a little love on what is probably the biggest thing happening in the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. in gaming, which is Elden Ring, which is the new From Software game. From Software is the developer. Yep. It is the seventh, I believe, game in the Soulsborne style, the official AAA Soulsborne style of games from From Software, which is a kind of game derived from Dark Souls and Bloodborne. Literally, IGN just released their top 10 best open world game list. Of all time? Yeah, and Elden Ring is five. Oh, really? And Breath of the Wild still one. Witcher three is two. Grand Theft Auto five is three. Red Dead two four. And then Elden Ring. Interesting. Then Fallout Vegas, Elder Scrolls, Skyrim, Metal Gear Solid five, Forbidden West, and then Miles Morales Spider Man, which is the first one was so much better. That was IGN. Yeah. Yeah. We we like to joke here at the Cult Popcast about uh, journalistic integrity, especially in gaming. And IGN is not exactly always known for their not neither accuracy nor uh, quality in terms of uh, the reputable scoring system. Yeah, but I should say we covered the Spider-Man Miles Morales game on this podcast. If you go back and listen to it, and Breath of the Wild, which is their number one, is my favorite game of all time. Um, favorite video game of all time yeah damn easy easy so i i do have to agree with that and i do love red dead 2 which was their pick number four i think yeah and witcher is obviously the witcher so that that was their number two pick and grand theft auto is like again one of the biggest games ever and that's their number three so elden ring coming in and it's only been out for a few weeks and Mm -hmm. it's coming in right in the middle at number five is a huge deal, I think. And and that's why we're covering it, because it's taken the internet by storm. It's taken more than the internet by storm. It's taken gamers by storm. Yeah, you can feel its wake. It's not, obviously, as ubiquitous as something like Fortnite, but... It's, I would say, honestly, as far as, like, as far as it being a pop cultural, 
like entity that's bleeding its way into everyone's pop culture, everyone's like spaces. I mean, like, and there are so many Elden Ring memes that have already come out that (laughs) I, I, or they're real, they're honestly like fail videos, but yeah, (laughs) but I've seen so many of them and they're all so freaking funny. Zoomers and millennials. Yeah. uh, I like basically gamers, um, people that are paying even a little bit of attention have probably heard about if not Elden Ring, then at least Dark Souls as a franchise. So do you want to talk about what that is? What it is, yeah. What it, what that is, though. I think the first one, which wasn't actually Dark Souls, it was Demon Souls, I think came out in 2009, circa 2009. And that was the first game of its kind like this for From Software and for the director, the creative lead of these games, whose name is Miyazaki. It's not Ghibli's Miyazaki. It's Hidetaki, Hidetaka. So it's not Hayao Miyazaki. No, no Ghibli Miyazaki, but this Miyazaki is the creative driving force behind these games, and he's uh, it's essentially his vision all the way through, except for Dark Souls 2, I think. He stepped back and took a producer role for some different reasons. But like I said, this is the seventh game to kind of come from that. I guess it's its own subgenre now. But so we started with Demon Souls in 2009, and then it went Dark Souls 1, Dark Souls 2, which was developed concurrently, I believe, with Bloodborne. So Miyazaki focused on Bloodborne, which was uh, a game like the Souls games. The Souls games are defined by their... uh, It's like a medieval dystopic setting. Very macabre, very dark. What makes them unique? Uh, A couple things, which I will get to in just a sec, but one of which is the setting. It's typically a setting like this, which is, like I said, the medieval, very dark... There's better adjectives that are not coming to mind for him, but all the Souls games and Demon Souls are like that. You know, knights and dirty armor. Wizards? Wizards. Witches? Sorcerers. Witches? There's there's often magic in these games. Hideous beasts. Which, I'm glad you said that, because that leads us to Bloodborne, which until Elden Ring was basically, I think, everybody's favorite Souls-type game. Bloodborne took on a more Victorian Gothic setting, and had a much more Lovecraftian aesthetic to it with all these crazy, horrific, eldritch beasts running around. That sounds cool. It's fantastic. I've it's, never seen it's, it. It was my favorite. Uh, may still be my favorite. Um, but Miyazaki got a huge amount of... Credibility. I mean, he had already had his credibility. And money. But but Bloodborne was the one that kind of blew the gates off, for I think, for, for the masses, for yeah. the gamers. Yeah. The casual gamers and the hardcore gamers alike really saw the, uh, well, ironically, the beauty of what this franchise had to offer. So Dark Souls 2 is kind of a dark sheep. It released the year before and uh, was different in some critical ways, and people like to shit on it sometimes, but it's still good. After Bloodborne in 2015, then they had Dark Souls 3, which was a big deal a couple years later. Was it good? Which was the final, I think, final installment in the Dark Souls proper franchise. And it was, it was great, yeah. I, I think people still will typically prefer Bloodborne because it's pretty unique. But Dark Souls 3 was a was a nice finish to what they're doing with that. But it was no Witcher 3. Uh, they're very different games, to be honest. Witcher 3 is that open-world RPG. I thought that this was an open-world RPG. Dark Souls games are RPGs, and they're open world up until Elden Ring in a very limited scope. There, There's typically different ways you can approach the game. I mean, there's many ways you can approach the game. Uh, and there's different uh, areas you can move to 
to prog- to progress through the game in different ways. Um, but they're not really like open world in the sense of like Skyrim or uh, or Breath of the Wild or yeah. Witcher stuff like that. There's always a few different paths you can take. I was gonna say, is open world is that where all the these kinds of games are going? Like, I feel like there will no longer be games that are more set on a path. I think it's more of a gimmick, to be honest. I think what's hot and trending in games, just like in other industries, often takes hold for you know a certain amount of years at a time. Mm-hmm. Like right now, we also have games as a service happening in the industry, which is like what Destiny and, and now Halo are doing, which is where you buy that game, which becomes its own platform, and then they just keep updating that game for 10 years. Open world gaming... You have to pay for the updates? Yeah. It's it's all a scheme to make more money. The thing with open world gaming is that it, it's hard to do well because you have... And this, Halo Infinite is a great example of why this doesn't always work out. You can create a large sandbox, but to match that uh, width with depth is very hard to do for many studios. Oh. Um, both because it takes a lot of manpower and time and money to do that, but also because these sandboxes are often lacking in, they're just not very interesting, you know. But there are a few games in recent years that are great examples of open world gaming done right, and that's where something like Breath of the Wild comes in, or any of those other, you know, games like Red Dead or The Witcher, Rockstar games. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, so that's very hard to do well. Jumping back to the Souls games, after Dark Souls 3, we have the sixth game, which was called Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, uh, a couple years ago. I think that was right before the pandemic. And that was uh, another twist in the uh, another another new direction for style and aesthetic for the Souls style of game. So... Like Bloodborne had the Victorian Gothic setting, now Sekiro has feudal Japan, and everything is very inspired by that a specific locale and time period. So you had the feudal lords in, of Japan. Is and, that like Japan in the Westworld kind of thing? Uh, kind of, yeah. And again, it has the, the classic Dark Souls trimmings, I guess you could say, like the hideous monsters that you'll find in the games. They always have, even when they're played more straight, that kind of grotesque, uh, monster allure, you know, to the to to the bosses or to the world, yeah, that you're inhabiting, yeah. And now we have the seventh game, I think. Yeah, it would be the seventh, which is Elden Ring, and they've done a new thing once again, a new spin, spin. Yeah, that's the word, uh, which is kind of a Nordic folklore twist oh. to it this time. It has a lot to do with runes. So this is not in the Dark Souls universe. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. It's his own thing. Is sort of all set more or less in the same universe, they say. <laughs> and then games after that will uh, do their own thing. Gotcha. I thought Elden Ring was a return to the world, but no. I, I, I was wrong about that. There no, you th- go. This is a very, a very new venture in storytelling. And okay. one of the things they did in that respect when they were starting up creatively with this new IP with this new world is they brought in George R.R. R. Martin to help them with the broad strokes in the beginning to George R.R. R. Martin. Who's that? Is, is Mr. Game of Thrones himself. What's that? Game of Thrones is the, I'm kidding. Yeah. Everybody knows <laughs> uh, for better, or for worse, what Game of Thrones is. That's true. But George 
despite how the show ends and despite how he'll never, you know, finish his books, <laughs> has accrued and properly, <laughs> you know, appropriately rather, George has built a reputation around quality world building and storytelling. And so Miyazaki and the team from From Software brought him in to create Elden Ring and kind of like I said, he he just provided, as far as I know, the broad strokes for painting what this world would look like. Yeah, I heard, and then I heard that he had some limitations put on him. Yeah, I think, for instance, I think Miyazaki gave him something like the idea of the Earth Tree and, yeah. and a few pointers to start with. Yeah, and then Martin and Miyazaki created this lore, and then the team at From Software honed it down into what would more or less become the story of the game. Mm-hmm. So now might be a good point to mention a couple of the finer points of what make a Soulsborne game, or a Souls game, a Souls game. They're punishingly hard. Yeah. These this, these are the things that all the games have in common. And the first uh, amongst them is that the Souls games are all hard. They're very hard. Extremely difficult. Very punishing difficulty that is not, at least never up until this point, been really accessible for the casual gamer, or yeah. at least not enjoyable. Yeah. Like, I was playing Metroid Dread, which was another really good game that came out last year for Nintendo that a lot of people liked. It was up for best game of the year. But that game, like, its bosses, I would get to, like, a a boss stage, and I'd be on the boss for at least an hour, if not two. And I was like, I have no time with kids to finish this game, so I've, I've just put a pot on that so I can pick it up again later. But this game, Elden Ring, is very similar. People get on the boss and they're there sometimes all day on a boss yeah elden ring i think is a little bit easier for a few reasons than previous games so one of those is uh just by nature by virtue of being an open world game uh, this is something that you could do in previous games but to a lesser extent if if you're running up against a wall like you just can't beat this boss and you're you're just stuck in him for hours you can leave that encounter and go to a different part of the world and farm up you know get uh, what are called in this game runes in previous games they were called souls and you can level up your character and all of his attributes and you know it's like Hades uh, in that way yeah build up your weapons and your skills and then you can come back as a more powerful version of your character and fight that boss and probably have an easier time beating him so Elden Ring is a little easier for that reason you have more options to do that as well as things like uh, summons are pretty important in this game oh they have summons yeah you can like uh, both in terms of summoning other human players in multiplayer, you can bring them into your world to help you beat bosses. But you can also spawn. This is AIs. not an MMO, is it? No, no, just an RPG. But there is a multiplayer component. Dark Souls games have always had a very. How does that work? Uh, you you will like use an item in game to bring in someone, you know, in, from your region. Yeah. Uh, like in North America. Yeah. To. Uh, who is Who's opted op- in to like being okay. available for the fight. And that works in both a cooperative and a competitive setting. You can fight other players in that way as wow. well. Wow. Like they call it invading. Uh, and this game has made it easier because you don't just get invaded randomly by yourself. You have to have other people like with you. So it's a little bit more user-friendly in that sense. So back to summons. Yeah, so you could summon random like stuff. You can even summon a copy of yourself if you have the appropriate item. And so boss encounters are just typically easier. They're also, if you would compare Elden Ring to previous entries uh, in this style of game, the bosses are just generally easier. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was intentional by the developers to make a game that was still very much 
uh, honoring the legacy of what came before and its difficulty, but they also wanted it to be accessible as this open world video game without compromising their, you know, their vision, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's the difficulty of the Soulsborne games. That's the main thing. The second thing is that Elden Ring, just like all its predecessors, the the lore is not and the story are both in the background. Like it's often not presented in a very straightforward manner. And even finishing the game for the first or second time, you'll probably not really have a good idea of what's just happened. The lore is strewn about through flavor text on items you might pick up Mm -hmm. or you might hear lines from NPCs Mm -hmm. as you're walking past them or talking with them about events that have transpired in this world that you're in. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a little bit more direct in Elden Ring. The narrative has a little bit more of of a focus. Usually in Dark Souls games, it's just like something terrible happened here years ago, and now you you have to you know piece together the mystery. Right. And ambiguity is king there, and they love that at From Software, which is great for people like me who are just all about the mystery and trying to you know put those pieces together in the puzzle. And, you know, spend hours afterwards just like digging through the internet, telling like, what was this? What what happened here? Who is this person? Yeah. And stuff like that. Very cool. But again, Elden Ring is a little bit more straightforward. Um, so you have the difficulty, you have the ambiguous story. Yeah, but you have a very rich world to explore. And so Elden Ring doubles down on that with this cool new lore and mythology built up by George R. R. Martin and Miyazaki. And who are you playing as? You play as, uh, you, the same kind of player that's always like this random guy in a Souls game. In this game, they call the player character the Tarnished, which is to indicate... You've been tarnished. Kind of, yeah. It's it's it, what it means in the game, and I won't, you know, go into the <laughs> into the too much detail in regards to the story because, I'd, honestly, a lot of it is still elusive to me. But the tarnished basically means you are in the fight to reclaim what is in this world called uh, grace, or like the power that is radiated from this thing called the Erd Tree, which is like um, <laughs> this this giant tree in the center of the map that is, it seems like derived from other mythology, like uh, I think in Viking or other Nordic lore, it's called like Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil, does that sound familiar? Yeah. Like the tree of life yes. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. The great, the, the great tree, the great story tree. Yeah. So Martin and Miyazaki pulled from that and they have this world in this game called the Lands Between. It doesn't even have a proper name as a continent, but this continent uh, or country is called the Lands Between and the tarnished player character, as well as some of the other NPCs they call tarnished, are like adventurers in this land, and it is their job to kind of pursue the what is called the Elden Ring <laughs> uh, that was shattered many years ago, which caused all this chaos in the land, and it's it's this war torn, dilapidated continent. And so your job is to try to fix it all. It's to piece it together and pursue this thing called the Elden Ring, which broke in the shattering, and now you have to you have to fix it. But anyway, you start as the Tarnished, and you journey through these... But these... you get to customize your own character. Yeah, so you it's an to... RPG in that way. You start as a certain kind of character. Like, you might have certain predispositions, like sorcery. Like, you might be going for that build. So, or like a, like a warrior, or a paladin, or a knight, or a rogue, or a wizard, whatever. So right. you start as that character, and then you have across, like, like 10 stats, maybe, or, or a dozen different attributes, like health, or stamina... Uh or magic Uh and then different you know things like intelligence and faith and Mm -hmm. stuff like that you can scale those up by killing 
monsters in the world and bosses, they'll drop runes or what's basically experience points that you can then level up your your stats and you can become a more powerful wizard or something like that, whatever you want to be. And that will often determine like, you know, your play style if you want to use a sword or a spear or a wand. And and so what's the story here? Like what's the story about? Uh it's hard to say exactly. I've been I've been kind of digging into it. I've watched a lot of Elden Ring in the last couple weeks. It's basically uh, in this land, in the lands between, there was a terrible event that happened in the past that, like I said, it's called the Shattering, and it, it sort of destroyed this this world. Yeah. And so you have to go about collecting these pieces of this Elden Ring, or these these great runes that are strewn about the world, that are currently possessed by major bosses. And Dark Souls games are always about, you know, the boss fights and getting there. And so there are six, I think, major demigods in the game, five or six, that you have to beat to get to in the game. Are they recognizable by, if you, if I were to look at Norse mythology? They're, no, they're, they're new characters. Oh, okay. But you, you, like, you'll recognize a little bit of the aesthetic, for instance. like I think one of the characters, Melania, is like a Valkyrie. Yeah. And she has that look sure. and feel to her. Sure. Both as a character design and in the fight, she would you know have those qualities to her. But yeah, you have to go about fighting those things and eventually you will become your pursuit after the Elden Ring will lead you to be, lead you to become the Elden Lord which is what they would essentially call like the ruler of this land it's all very tricky with the vernacular and i would sound like a total dork if i were to <laughs> go on at length about it but that's that's the general can, can you become an elder lord yeah the game that's how you would in the game is to become the Elden Lord. So I don't want to spoil too much because half the fun, you know, is is the playing it yourself and the, finding out the journey. I will say there are different endings to the game. Oh, really? And not all of them are you becoming the Elden Lord. There are, you know, what you might call good or bad ends to the game. If it's a bad end, can you continue to play until you become the Elden Lord or no? Uh, not really, no. But really? what what they do with Souls games, which is a th- thing that happens a lot these days, is you, they have what's called New Game Plus, which is where you beat the game and you can start another playthrough with your previous character who will just continue to scale up in power as you go. But in order for this to remain fun and have that replayability, the enemies are now harder as well. So when you beat Elden Ring, you can start a new story or... If you don't want to do that and you haven't even finished the game by the time you finish the game, so to speak, because you can just resume your playthrough. Because when you beat the game, there's still a lot of exploring to do in the world. Like, this is what's cool about Elden Ring, the same thing that was cool about Breath of the Wild, which is that you can race to the final encounter and attempt to beat the game in that way. Mm -hmm. So what typically would be a one to 200 hour playthrough for another person for you might just be 40. Obviously it'll be really hard. Like if you go straight to Ganon and try to kill Ganon, it might even be impossible. I don't but know. you could, no, it's not, you could speed run yeah. or boss rush through, uh, the game to do that. And then you could just, you know, when it asks you, if you want to start a new playthrough, you can just say no and you can keep exploring in the world that you had just left as it was. Cause so, there are in the game, 80 something bosses. Many of them are unique. And I think in order to beat the game, only like maybe 10 of them are required. And that's your standard playthrough of maybe 10 to 20 hours. Everything beyond that is just icing on the cake. And that's why this game is so amazing and it has such depth. Mm. Is because you can just spend literally over 100 hours exploring the world 
of which there are many different regions and dungeons, enemy types, all that stuff. And you can just, you can get lost in it, in that immersion for a while before you even want to pursue, you know, the ending of the game. And if it's a bad ending, if you don't become the Elden Lord... I've seen a couple bad endings. If you don't become the Elden Lord, there's no way to redeem yourself in that storyline. You have to start the whole game over again. You don't have to. Like I said, you can keep playing. I think if you keep playing, it'll be as if you just hadn't played the final encounter and you can keep exploring the world. But the decisions you make in the game lead you to a position where when the final encounter happens, you can decide. Like They'll present you with options that you you may or may not have as a player to like finish the game in a certain way like there's the default ending but if you've explored the world and you've you've unraveled some of these mysteries and quest lines and you have these options now you can like present this you know token or something at the end of the game and you can produce a different ending so there are like varying degrees of good endings there are also varying degrees of bad endings but honestly with these games just as always it's more about the journey than the destination it's about you know discovering this world for yourself and immersing yourself in it, getting lost in it, you know, finding all the nooks and crannies and the hidden corners. And that's where these games always succeed. And I think Elden Ring has that in spades because it is fully embraced that open world format. Cool. And there's a reason it's that good. You know, uh, everything that the Souls games always do, it does just as well. The The combat is rewarding, you know. <sighs> Why, let me ask you this, why is this game, uh, as opposed to the last couple, Shadows Die Twice and Sekiro and Bloodborne, why is this game, like, for example, like an IGN's top five? Uh, because it's the biggest. You mean it's the biggest map-wise, or it's the biggest? Yeah, scope and scale is the largest. The biggest yeah. in, like, its reception so far. Well, the game, I mean, is the biggest game they've made yet, and but it matches it with quality. So when you have... In a franchise, yeah, the newest entry, which has both the largest quantity and quality of gameplay, it's a shoe-in for, you know. So it matches, it rivals games like Grand Theft Auto V and stuff like that. Yeah, it is It is the best of its... It doesn't have, like it, Bloodborne as a comparison point, it doesn't have that um, very niche kind of tone and aesthetic which is why some people might still say Bloodborne is their favorite Souls game, and that's totally fine. I might even agree. Mm-hmm. Because the look and the lore in that world is very particular mm-hmm. to that you know, that gothic, Victorian, uh, Lovecraftian. Mm-hmm. It leans harder into that. Elden Ring is not to say it's bland or anything, but it's more encompassing, and it's a larger, more ambitious game in all those respects. So... I think that's why it's pulling more people in. It's not just because George R. R. Martin's attached to it, like the name draw. That's certainly part of it, I think. Um, but honestly, I don't know if that matters too much anymore after how Game of Thrones ended as a show. Is it the setting as well? Like, is it? Yeah. Is the playstyle that different from past Dark Souls like? No, playstyle is pretty similar. There, there's a, there's a slow and. Um, measured movement, like economy of movement and combat in these games. They and have, they, they've they always have mounts that you can now ride. At any they time. do in Elden Ring. Yeah, you have a mount you can just call up at any time. Yeah. Uh, this is more comparable to the classic Dark Souls experience than like Bloodborne or Sekiro, which were a little bit more nuanced. Like Bloodborne was a faster style of combat. Sekiro was a little bit more focused on the parry mechanic and breaking, I think it was poise or something in that game, composure or something. 
Elden Ring is a little bit closer to Dark Souls where it's they have all these elements, but it's it's just like however you want to play the game. You can you can you can be the faster character, you can be the blocking character, you How can long be the heavy is this hitter. game in development. Uh did you say Sekiro just came out like two or three years ago? I think Sekiro was twenty nineteen or twenty twenty, but this game was in development at the same time as Sekiro and Miyazaki was producing and directing both. But this game has probably been in development since Dark Souls 3, which would have been, I think, 2017, 2016. So like five or six years. Yeah. And I think it shows Yeah, the amount of time you know that was poured into That's it. That's a good dev time for a game. Yeah. Well, it's also, it's funny because you have a lot of games that have come out recently. A great example would be Cyberpunk, which was in development for, they say, 10 years. And there was an, an insane amount of hype surrounding it. But Elden Ring really delivered on the ex- on the hype, yeah. on what was an expectation of like mastery, like a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. It really is that I think. This is strictly to computers, or is it for consoles? No, it's on. Uh, I don't know if it's on Xbox, but it's on PlayStation and and PC. Five. But it's 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 a current and or next gen title. Cool. Typically, the PC ports for these games are a little bit weird and if there were any detriments to elden ring it would be both the port being a little bit tricky like sometimes the game will crash and the net code for is always kind of bad for japanese games i don't know if that's because japan's an island everyone lives really close to each other so when they make these titles like for instance super smash brothers a lot of times the net code is left by the wayside and online performance suffers and yeah (laughs) elden ring might have the worst uh netcode that has ever existed really there's always uh it must be maddening for people i think they'll improve it it's funny because they just remade their first game demon souls actually i I think they it was another studio that produced the remake or the remaster but they they re-released demon souls after 10 11 years last year and that game had like perfect netcode it was beautiful and so the multiplayer was seamless and and it was very fluid and very felt very good elden ring's a little um jumpy when you're trying to fight other players so but other than that there's really nothing bad to say about that's amazing elden ring you yeah know? well you continue to be a wellspring of knowledge for us uh novices well elden ring is a wellspring of game it's a game what <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's what it's, song should we play here oh you gotta play something from the soundtrack the soundtrack good it's insane Really the good? Dark Souls games. Ben Salisbury? N- no, we're talking like big orchestra. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's beautiful. Old, and it, little Jay Williams. It's a huge part of the success of those games is the music. Yeah. So oh, cool. we'll play something here. Sweet. Sweet.